Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes in a Nissan Pathfinder, search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You probably drive your teenager around a lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Hey guys, I'm Kaylee Shore, and this is Too Much To Say. Okay, so the number one subject you guys ask me to do podcasts about is songwriting. Like, no matter what, whenever I ask for new episode ideas, it's always, like, about my songwriting process. So I thought I'd just dedicate an entire episode to it. Um, I want to talk about, you know, the the basics of it. Like, basic. let's start with when I started, but I want to get into how I get inspired, where a song starts being written, um, the rules I have for songwriting, and um, what the process looks like when you write a song that you love and want to get it into the world. So, I wrote my first song when I was six years old. I remember it so clearly, and it's kind of crazy to me because... I was really young, um, but I just remember like knowing that I was supposed to remember that moment. And um, I was in class. I was homeschooled, but I did like a once a week art class and history class, like at a co-op. It was very granola, very crunchy. Um, but <laughs> um, I did a class there and I remember the teacher coming over and being like, what are you doing? And I was like, nothing. And it was very obvious that I'd been writing a song and it was about having a sleepover, which I'd not yet had because I was, you know, six years old. I feel like that's more of like an eight or nine thing. And, um, the song was like about like stealing soda from the refrigerator when your parents aren't looking so you can like get crunk with the girls. And it's hilarious because like, if you just sub out alcohol, like that's like, <laughs> that's a country song. Um, but I was, I was a little rebel even then. And I don't honestly don't even think I'd really had soda because my parents were like very like organic and all into that stuff. And you know, I still am, but I never really had soda. So that was like me writing about the edgiest topic I could think of at six years old. So I kept doing it and I remember always like trying to like set a tune to things and I would like make up songs in my head to remember stuff, whether it was like multiplication tables or the capitals of, you know, the United States and whatnot. But as I got older, I started to take it more seriously. And I think it was probably, probably fifth grade, 
fifth grade that I really started to write every day and I became obsessed with it and I still have it. It's this like dark purple leather notebook. It's all solid. It's one color. And I would write songs in that all the time. And the craziest part is like, I didn't have an iPhone, you know, this was, it's like 2006 or something like that. I didn't have an iPhone to record the melody. So I just have to sing it over and over until I remembered. And now I can't forget any of these melodies. So I could still sing you all of these ridiculous ass songs and like remember them. And it's so cool to have a paper trail of this, like of this journey towards me, you know, falling in love with songwriting, which is ultimately what my job is now. So it's, it's good to hang on to things sometimes. Like I love a good closet purge and getting rid of stuff, but I will never get rid of a songwriting notebook. I remember one of the most melodramatic songs I had was called Mother at 14. Um, I wasn't even 14 yet when I wrote it. I really, I think I was literally like nine years old and it was a very, it's a very ridiculous song about a woman, a child really becoming a mother at 14 and her family abandoning her and her have to run away, like having to run away on a Greyhound bus because the father didn't want to support the baby. And it was like this whole thing. And like, I can, I can sing it to you right now. I don't even have the notebook in front of me, but this is how it goes. She sits down on the curb in front of the bus stop. This is her ticket to freedom. Nobody loves her. Nobody cares. She's a ghost to the world. And then I've like in my head, there was a drum fill and it was like trying to support the baby and herself. Her family shunned her. It's, it's ridiculous. I will like, I should post a TikTok of this. Um, but yeah, so that's what I was writing. <laughs> and like, that's my favorite one to go back and look at because it's like, the song is like people being so mean to her just because she accidentally got pregnant at 14. And it's like, I just, I'm sure that happens, but it was just like more melodramatic than a lifetime movie, which is honestly probably what inspired it. I probably was like watching a movie. I wasn't supposed to be watching like some after school special or something. And then, um, the, ne- the next song that I like really remember standing out was called SOS and it was the first song I wrote on guitar and it was like two chords probably ripped off about a girl by Nirvana just an E minor to G back and forth but it was like SOS please someone get us out of here SOS I hate living in fear I want you to hold me near so we can save our souls and it was like really rock heavy um and that was at about nine years old as well also I hope I hope I never have to go back and listen to this podcast and hear myself do acapella versions of songs I wrote when I was nine years old I just don't want to know but I wanted to share it with you guys because I think it's probably amusing. So from then on, I was just like absolutely obsessed. And as soon as I started writing songs on guitar, I was like, oh my God, I fucking love playing guitar. And I actually, I have a lot of people ask me like in meet and greet lines or fans or whatever being like, how do I get my kid to like focus on music and want to practice and stuff? And I'm like, dude, I don't know because I would get in trouble for playing guitar because I'd be doing that instead of my homework. And so I never associated it with like working or practicing or some sort of chore. It was always like the thing I got to do when the chores were out of the way. So it wasn't like this. I just loved it so much. And I would literally play till my fingers bled. And I started, one of the first guitars I played was a 12 string. And if you play guitar, you know that that's like 
insane. It's just basically all the strings are doubled. So you get this really big, beautiful sound, but it's so hard to press down. Even now after playing guitar for like 15 years, 15 years, holy shit. I've been playing guitar for over 15 years. Um, and, uh, so little fingers doing that is kind of mind blowing, but I just loved it. And I just didn't, I didn't care. It was all I wanted to do. And then I was just always writing songs and, um, started posting them on MySpace and YouTube and stuff like that. And just people had, you know, been like, wow, these are really good for like your age and stuff. And that was all I needed to keep going. People never really commented on my voice and I didn't really care because I just wanted to write songs. Like I didn't care if like, you know, I could sing better than anybody else. And I always auditioned for solos and stuff, but I never got them, which is okay. But I remember like the first time somebody told me that they liked my voice and I was probably like a teenager and I was like, wait, really? Like, that's so cool. Cause I was like used to getting compliments on my songs and stuff, but it did kind of lead to me being insecure about my voice until very recently because songwriting always came first. And I just felt like I didn't have a big, massive, like Mariah Carey vocal, but truthfully a voice that tells a story and is different and that's so much more interesting than just being able to scream at people and like big voices are amazing but like I'm I've become very happy with my voice um as I've gotten older so that's sort of my background with songwriting um then this is you know sort of how I go about it now um and like how the inspiration starts and whatnot so I get inspired all the time at very inconvenient moments. I find that a lot of the time I get inspired when I'm on stage and can't just pull out my phone and start typing an idea. Um, so I just have to like try really hard to remember it. And those are always really crazy manic moments because I'm like trying to hum the idea in my head so I don't forget it while I sing the lyrics to another song in front of like 400 people. It's just batshit. But some really great song ideas have come from that. And song ideas are, they're just so fleeting and like you never know like when you're going to have one or how good one is. And like, I don't know, they're just, they feel like precious gems. And when you accidentally drop a diamond, you're very sad about it. And maybe it could have been cubic zirconia, but do you like my metaphor? It's almost like I'm a songwriter. (laughs) Yeah. I try to not speak in metaphors too much. It gets very confusing. I try to keep that in the songwriting. But so that's where I'll get ideas. I'll get ideas from dreams. I'll get ideas from conversations. I mean, I've literally gone back through old text messages with people and to kind of put myself back where I was when, you know, I was having whatever issue with them or non-issue or like, you know, whatever I wanted to write the song about and seeing text messages. And there's a lot of times that like I've used those for the song ideas or just as a lyric and the ideas are everywhere. Um, for example, my song alibi that's coming out, me and my boyfriend, Sam, were walking down the street and I was talking about one of my really good friends, Kavanaugh. And I was like, she's one of those friends where like, I don't have to see her all the time to like be close with her. Like I haven't seen her in a couple of weeks and like, we don't text every day, but if the police called me, I'd be her alibi. And I'd just be like, she was with me. She didn't do it. <laughs> and he was looked at me and I looked at him and we were like, that's a song idea. And then we were like, okay, we'll write it together. And that's how we have dibs on it. Um, and that happens a lot. And I love being able to write with my boyfriend and my best friends. It's, it just makes, it's really fun. So it's really cool when you stumble on an idea together. Like I love, I love that. I love the collaboration aspect of it. So I'll write that down in my notes app on my phone. Um, I have so many different ones. Like 
and it's really funny because I can go back from to one from like the summer of 2018 and you can clearly see the um like the chronological order of what was happening in my life at the moment so it'll be like like love song love song love song confusion song rejection song breakup song angry breakup song i drunk texted you song and like it's just like that over and over and over again (laughs) across america bp supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing jobs like building grid scale solar energy in ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in texas it's and not or See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What if AI could help your business deliver mission critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected, or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. So when it comes to writing different types of songs, I have some, you know, particular things that are unique to each type of song. So I'm going to talk about like sad songs, happy songs, and angry songs. And with sad songs, a lot of times those start with me sitting on my bed with my guitar, crying, processing something, and starting the song by myself. Um, It's always something I do to like get it out. And... I wrote this song called Unkiss, which I really hope comes out at some point, but I wrote it right after my ex-boyfriend had cheated on me, and it was like me processing the breakup in real time, writing about it, and um, I wrote it by myself, and it's just very much so like an exact snapshot of how I felt on that one day. And then actually a crazy example of that is a song called The One, which I've talked about on my podcast before, but it's on my album open book. And I wrote that the day after we broke up, like the day after. And I had it scheduled with my producer, Skip Black, and um, 
Savannah Kai's and I was like all I want to do is write a song right now and I'm going to do it by myself anyway so I might as well go with hang out with these people that I trust and love very much and so that was one of the first times that I've started the song like instead of crying on my bed by myself like I was crying on a couch with other people but um, a sad song always starts like usually in real time for me and like world, the world keeps spinning. That's a song I wrote about my sister passing away. Like that was the first time I sat down at the piano after she passed. Cause I just kind of stopped doing literally anything after that happened, which I think is fair. Um, but the first time I sat down at a piano, I just started singing that and just had this thought where I was like, it's just really fucked up that everybody else is just going about their day and like, they have no idea like what's going on in my life. And then that was a huge lesson for me to be more empathetic to people. Cause like someone cuts you off in traffic, you have no idea like where they're going or what they're going through. So that was like a big lesson. So I wrote that song and then finished it out, um, with Skip and Robin Collins. Happy songs are difficult because I feel like I can go back and, and pull like an idea from like a sad time in my life or an angry time in my life. But inventing a happy song is just, it comes off really inauthentic. I think, I think you can tell when they were like, let's write like a summer radio smash and here's a song. And you're like, do you believe any of that? Did you actually feel that? Like, I think that some of the best happy songs have a little bit of a an honesty to them. I think a great example of that is the bones by Maren Morris because it is a love song, but it's a love song talking about how real love is difficult and you're going to fight and you're going to have to go through these hard times together. But if you built your relationship right and the bones are good, the rest don't matter. And I love that song. And I think that that's like my favorite kind of happy song. And there's a song on my EP called I hate the way this feels. And it was one of the first songs I wrote about my boyfriend, Sam. And it's like, literally the hook is like, I hate the way that I love the way this feels. And that's, it's by definition a happy song, but it was also me being like, oh my God, are you not going to hurt me? I don't know what to do with that. This is a first. I'm freaking out. I think I like you. Oh my God, are you going to be my boyfriend? Like it was just like me internally freaking out. And it's so funny because I wrote it with these two like grown men, uh, Jason Lennig and Skip. And they were just listening to me just go on and on about like how I had a crush on this boy and they were so patient. And now in retrospect, they're like, okay, cool. Like you really, really were in love with him, but it would have been kind of embarrassing if, (laughs) if I hadn't been so happy songs. I try to always have them come from like a really real place and somewhere that's just honest and tells the whole story and doesn't just like skim the happy off the top. It dives a little bit deeper. So that's something I try to always do in my happy songs. I think alibi is like that too, because it talks about, you know, how this friendship and like this beautiful, like level of loyalty you have for each other. But there's also a line that's like, I'll go burn down your ex's house for you. And that's very honest because I think, um, happy friendships usually involve like getting angry on your friend's behalf when something fucked up happens. So just my thoughts on friendship. (laughs) And then these are the spicy rules, but angry songs are obviously, um, part of my catalog and usually the ones that do very well. Um, Effie forever and Amy being two very big examples of that. I needed to write those songs to process like what had happened. And the truth is like, they were really sad situations and 
expressing it is anger almost feels a little bit more simple to me. It might be because I'm an Enneagram 8, but the songs are very like matter of fact. They're not so, I feel this way about what you did. It's just like saying exactly what happened. And that's always good for me to kind of be able to see like how the story played out on paper, being 100% honest and being able to read it and be like, okay, that's fucked up. You're not crazy and being upset about this. So I'm like validating my experience by writing about it. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's 100% what it is and why I write songs like that. But the rules I have for songs like that, that are clearly about somebody and aren't just like, you know, an aimless, angry song about being mad at the world, which I have several of those. But when you're writing a story that's like kind of putting somebody on blast and I mean, by definition, Amy and Effie forever are diss tracks, like, let's be honest. And I knew writing those that I had to be completely honest. And there were some things I left out of Amy because I, A, didn't want to identify her and B, um, cause there's like a couple of things that I was only assuming had happened. And I was like, if I don't know beyond a shadow of a fucking doubt that this went down, I'm not going to do that. And then there's also like another really embarrassing part of that story for her that I left out of the song because there's spilling tea and telling your story. And then there's like being a crazy bitch and like trying to ruin someone's life. And that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to heal myself and work on my own life. And unfortunately, if your story intersects with mine, it becomes part of my story so I can tell it, but I have to tell it hundred percent truthfully. And F you forever was a really important song for me getting over that breakup because it's really important to me to be able to be able to laugh at things that hurt me at some point, like being able to not like laugh it off and be like, I'm over it. Ha, ha, ha. But being able to make jokes about traumatic things, like that's definitely a way that I cope. And, um, Effie forever is 100% a, an example of that. And I can't, I can't express to you how there is no better feeling than, um, something that happened on the opening night of the too much to say tour. And it was, I was singing Effie forever. And then during the bridge, when I say, um, you're just, I'm just a mirror reflecting and you're just an asshole projecting the whole crowd, like fucking screamed it with me at the top of their lungs. And then everybody sang the, like, I'm so glad I don't have to fuck you forever line as well. And I was just like, oh my God, nature's healing. And I was on stage with my friend, Annie Wilgen, who I wrote F You Forever with. And it was just amazing because she was like, had written that with her shitty ex-boyfriend in mind as well. And so we're like hearing this room full of people like who have, you know, just like validating our emotions. And we like looked over at each other and we're like, this is so cool. <laughs> Fuck those guys. <laughs> So when I write a song that I really like, there's many steps that have to be taken before it's released. Alibi on the EP I wrote really close to when I was cutting for the um, album. I think I wrote it like a couple weeks before or the EP. I wrote it a couple weeks before I went in the studio, but Heard You Got a Girl was written like a year and a half ago, two, two years ago, maybe almost two years ago. And it took a while for that song to come out. And um, there were also songs that got passed up for open book on a bridge because they didn't fit in, but they wound up on um, I Got Here By Accident, my EP. And so sometimes you have to just be really patient with a song and just 
wait for its time to shine. And I think there's plenty of songs in my back catalog that will get their time to shine. And, um, it's, I really care about making a cohesive project that like tells a story and isn't just all over the place. Um, I think it's nice to challenge myself to not always fucking be like that. So when I like the song, um, one of the first steps is to get a demo of it. And sometimes when I'm writing a song with a producer, we'll be in the studio and they'll be writing or playing the instruments and laying them down as we go, which is crazy that they can do that at the same time as like them writing a song. It's just nuts. But you'll get, you'll walk away with like a rough demo that day and you do a vocal the same day you write the song. Um, but that's not always how it works. So sometimes you have to go out and like actually do a demo with somebody else and like revisit this song and figure out how to make it sound. And sometimes like it does not come out the way that you wanted it to. And you have to be like an asshole. Like I had to do that last week and be like, Hey, um, this song is just wrong. And I know you spent a lot of time on this, but I'm also like, it's just it's just not right and you have to you know sometimes you have to completely start over there's been songs of mine that have gotten cut by other artists that I wrote originally for myself there's a song called um everywhere by um Chantel Davidson and that song was written for open book and I really really love it it's a super important part of that era for me it was all about this like one guy who out of it's about and it was just like a really you know I I wrote that song and it like made me feel better and so I wasn't able to release it it didn't make sense in the context of any of my projects and it honestly like didn't sonically fit in but she wanted to cut the song and I was so happy that that song got to be out in the world um I also have a song called two hands that was on my EP awake and it was played on the highway um, and that just got cut by an artist named Callie Twistleman. So that song's getting a whole second life as well. I have a song out right now um, that I got to be a part of called uh, People I Don't Like by this artist named Upsall. It's amazing. It's such a great, she's such a great artist and I'm just like obsessed with her vibe. But it just hit 30 million streams, which is super, super exciting. And um, getting to be part of a song like that that's so different than my sound it's just really cool to get to explore all these different like sonic avenues and still be able to have my artist project and write for other people. And I have some songs I wrote with candy that I hope come out. And, uh, yeah, I just, I love everything about songwriting and I love being an artist and performing. But if somebody told me that I could either, I had to pick between never going on stage again or never writing my own songs again, it would be never going on stage again. And I really don't think anybody's ever going to tell me that, but songwriting is like the number one thing for me. And I'm really thankful that people seem to give a shit and I've been able to make a living off of doing this. Um, it's really, it's just such a blessing. And, um, thank you guys so much for all the support. I'm really excited. My EP comes out on August 13th. It's called, I got here by accident. Um, yes, that is Friday the 13th. which isn't that's the second time I've released a single on Friday the 13th. So it seems to be working out okay for me, but, um, it comes out and like, you guys will get to hear these songs that I was talking about today. And I'm really, really pumped. It's just one of my favorite things I've ever done. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Thank you so much for listening. Um, you guys are the best. I'm Kaylee Shore and this is too much to say. you
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 